want away And they wept as they grasped at the pieces Swept one by one You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming right up with Gavin Walker.
Well, I'm sure that you all know that theme, and uh, those of you that listen to the jazz show regularly have been listening to that theme for many, many years. And, of course, it's uh, Benny Green and company with Gene Ammons and so many other people on the date, and it's called Soul Stirrin'. And, of course, the band um, does the vocal on uh, on that tune as well. It's from a very famous Benny Green album. This is another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR 101.9 or on your computer, live streaming at CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here with some of the very best in jazz until 12 midnight. And as is our relatively new format now, we begin the show with our jazz feature. And that is an organist by the name of Larry Young, who was born October 7th, 1940, in Newark, New Jersey, and uh, died fairly young um, in hospital March 30th, 1978. He was an amazing musician uh, who started out... Um, playing the Hammond organ. Uh, he obviously he studied piano and uh, was studied music theory and all that, all that kind of stuff, but he had a lot of very uh, natural talent. And Larry began his playing career as a young man uh, playing the Hammond organ in the style of, of course, his idol, Jimmy Smith, um, Jack McDuff, John Patton, people like that, in that, in that uh, bluesy, greasy kind of style uh, that was so popular at the time. Jimmy Smith was the pioneer of the Hammond organ, and he really brought it out uh, and made it a legitimate uh, jazz instrument. And, of course, uh, organ trios um, were the thing in the late 50s, early 60s, um, Virtually a portable orchestra. You, had, you usually had a, a, a Hammond organ, and of course the organist provided all the bass lines, so you didn't have to hire a bass player. You had a guitar, and you had drums, and you had a full orchestra right there, and occasionally adding a horn, maybe two. That was a format in, uh, in so many clubs, and of course Larry Young began his career in that kind of atmosphere. But he had other things in mind. He took the organ to a different place, and it took him a few years for him to develop uh, that concept where he wanted to go. And the new place was to develop his own sound on the organ, get away from that kind of greasy, growly sound that, that was so prevalent, and a cleaner um, more pristine kind of a sound uh, of the Hammond organ. And, of course, you could use that by, by pulling the drawbars out and so on and creating your own kind of sound. And he developed that, and also his concept changed. He got away from playing uh, greasy blues and using all the, all the funky blues cliches that were so popular at the time and moved toward uh, altered scales and uh, substitute chords 
uh, all this kind of stuff. And without getting into a whole technical uh, explanation, Larry advanced the Hammond organ. Um, it's a bit of a misnomer, but someone called him the Coltrane of the organ. And that, uh, of course, uh, although that was kind of an exaggeration, there's no comparison there, but the, the thing about Larry Young is that he was part of the tradition, but he took the, kept what he needed from the tradition and advanced the tradition. And this is what our jazz feature album is all about because it's one of the most iconic albums that was ever issued by Blue Note Records. And it really pointed in a brand new direction for someone who, um, for an organ-based band. And this is Larry Young on organ with the great Elvin Jones on drums, of course, who was working with John Coltrane at the time. And Elvin Jones, of course, was one of the most um, forceful, aggressive, and yet tasteful drummers, and so innovative. And he worked with Larry so so beautifully. Uh, they really had a, a good musical relationship. The two horn players on this date are both musicians that advanced the uh, were part of the jazz tradition, but were advancing within that tradition. A lot of avant-garde musicians, what they did was, of course, drop certain things from the jazz tradition and proceeded from there. And these two gentlemen didn't. They were very much a part of the jazz tradition, and yet they took it on their individual instruments in a different direction. And the people I'm talking about are Woody Shaw on trumpet and Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone. So that's the group. And the album is called Unity. And, of course, it came out on Blue Note Records. And it was recorded in on this day in 1965, November 10th, 1965. And it really marked uh, a new... Um, step in the development of, uh, of the Hammond organ, and of course this incredible record date. Woody Shaw, um, he has been talked about many times. A lot of people felt that Woody Shaw was the last great innovative trumpeter, and um, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, there's a lot of people that have done things on, on the trumpet. Uh, it is arguable, but Woody Shaw um, was really, we, we think of trumpet, modern trumpet is beginning with Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, and Fats Navarro. And of course, um, then in the 50s, it developed with the great and unfortunately ill-fated Clifford Brown, who, who died really before his, his promise was fulfilled. But he did make some great records and influenced a whole generation of trumpet players. We had Lee Morgan come along. He was a prodigy, teenager, and yet he played the trumpet as, as well as anybody. And in the 60s, Freddie Hubbard emerged. And we, so we had those great voices of the trumpet. And a lot of people f feel that Woody Shaw, who came a little later in the 60s, was really um, the last great innovative trumpet player and set a very, very high standard. And um, again, that is, that is arguable, 
but uh, Woody Shaw definitely made uh, an incredible mark. And you'll hear his work on here. As a matter of fact, this album has three Woody Shaw compositions. So we'll hear his compositional talents as well as his incredible trumpet playing, uh, which is uh, noty, um, complex, and uh, so innovative. And of course, on tenor saxophone, Joe Henderson, someone who came from the jazz tradition, but was very much someone who was looking ahead within the jazz tradition, developed his own sound, had his own concept, and Joe Henderson, of course, died a few years ago, considered one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone. So with all that in mind, this was quite a quartet. Woody Shaw on trumpet, Joe Henderson tenor saxophone, Elvin Jones on drums, and the leader, Larry Young, on Hammond, Oregon. So we're going to get to the album right away. There's six tunes on the album. And rather than program it the way it uh, showed up on the record or on the CD, uh, I'm going to deliver the tunes as they, in the order of which they were recorded in the studio. So the first tune we're going to hear is a Joe Henderson composition, and it's called If. I-F, If. Uh, the second tune we're going to hear is uh, a Woody Shaw composition, the first of three, and it's called Beyond All Limits. Then the tune number three, the, the horn players take a rest, and it's just Larry Young and Elvin Jones, and they're going to deliver one of Thelonious Monk's most delightful compositions, Monk's Dream. So that's tune number three. Tune number four is another Woody Shaw composition, dedicated, of course, to, I'm sure you'll understand who it's dedicated to, but it was called The Moon Train. And tune number five is a composition that is actually uh, features a couple of passages from uh, a famous piece of classical music. That's how it starts. And it's the uh, Zoltan Kodai um, composition called the Harry Janosch Suite. The, uh, Zoltan Kodai was one of the great Hungarian composers along with Béla Bartók. And uh, so that tune by Woody Shaw is called simply Zoltan. The final tune is a standard, the only standard of the date. And it's the full band, four guys, and they're going to do a version of the jazz favorite, softly as in a morning sunrise. So that's the lineup. This is the album, one of the most, as I said, one of the most iconic of all Blue Note albums, the album Unity. Woody Shaw on trumpet, Joe Henderson tenor saxophone, Elvin Jones drums, and Larry Young on the Hammond organ. We begin with Joe Henderson's If. Thank you. 
Our jazz feature recording this evening, one of the most iconic and famous of all Blue Note recordings, is called Unity, and the leader was the late and wonderful innovator of the Hammond organ, Larry Young, a gentleman, young gentleman who um, advanced the Hammond organ into a whole other area uh, and yet still retained that that. Um, 
organ tradition, but he dispensed with a lot of the blues tonality and the the greasy kind of sound that uh, uh, other um, Hammond players were were doing, and moved it into a in, into a, a different area and a different area of music. And of course, this album uh, personifies all of these gentlemen who were really within the tradition, advancing the jazz tradition. And of course, they stand today as uh, as innovators and movers and shakers. And uh, they all came together on this uh, recording date. The two horn players, of course, um, Woody Shaw on trumpet, wonderful Woody Shaw on trumpet, and Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, they were actually working together in Horace Silver's band. So they uh, established a, a bond of really being able to play very well together. And, of course, when they came to do this record date, uh, they had already established their musical relationship, and uh, they breathed um, like one person and um, really had a, a, a beautiful feel, both of these people, and, and were able to blend uh, beautifully. Now, that doesn't always happen in, in jazz music, but uh, in the case of Woody Shaw and Joe Henderson, yes, it did happen. And, of course, uh, it made this... Uh, um, Recording the iconic uh, classic that it is, Larry Young on organ, and of course, all driven along majestically by the mighty Elvin Jones. And we heard uh, a group of compositions. Uh, this was recorded, and one of the reasons I picked this album, of course, is, is that it is a classic. But the fact is, it was recorded on this day, November 10th, in 1965. And uh, that's a long time ago, 49 years ago, and yet the music sounds as fresh as tomorrow. And I hope you enjoyed our jazz feature this evening, Unity, classic album. And we heard the, re- we heard the pieces as the musicians uh, in the order that they played it in the studio. So we began with um, a really uh, good blues to get everybody relaxed, and that was Joe Henderson's composition called If. Then we move from there to uh, a Woody Shaw composition, uh, the first of three, a challenging piece of music called Beyond All Limits. And then the horns took a rest, and uh, Larry and Elvin Jones performed uh, one of the most delightful Thelonious Monk compositions called Monk's Dream. Uh, Then the band returned for uh, Woody Shaw's great uh, piece of music called The Moon Train. And I'm sure you know who that was dedicated to. And um, my favorite track on the whole album is the next piece that we heard, and that's called Zoltan. And that was written by Woody Shaw. And right at the beginning, it takes um, um, a little snippet of uh, a very famous piece of classical music that Zoltan Kodai wrote called the Harry Janosch Suite. And... um, uh, it's a, a famous piece of uh, modern classical music, and Zoltan Kodai, along with Bela Bartok, were, was um, the leading Hungarian composer. And uh, Woody Shaw, of course, uh, listened to the music and uh, adapted that and, uh, re- and, and dedicated it to Zoltan Kodai and called it Zoltan. And uh, the final tune, of course, was uh, the band's cooker on the great standard, Softly as in a Morning Sunrise by... Hammerstein, 
and uh, company. Softly as in a morning sunrise. Anyway, that's the our jazz feature this evening, this great album on Blue Note Records, Unity, led by the innovative Hammond organist Larry Young. He was born October 7th, 1940, in Newark, New Jersey, and died of a stomach ailment. Um, no one really knows why. He, he entered the hospital, he had pains, and um, died uh, while while in the hospital, and uh, the cause of his death is still kind of mysterious. He died March the 30th, 1978, at a fairly young age, and um, we lost a, a, a great innovator of the, uh, of the Hammond organ. So there, there you go, and I hope you enjoyed the jazz feature. My name is Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. Or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Now, at 10.15, if he is still awake, I'm expecting a phone call from Montreal from guitarist Mike Rudd, of course, who was a big part of the Vancouver scene. He moved to Montreal many years ago and was last seen here um, playing with Joey DeFrancesco at uh, Corey Weed's Cellar. And uh, Mike is... a Got a whole project that he's uh, he's coming to Vancouver to do, and um, if he is still awake, don't forget at ten uh, fifteen our time it'll be one fifteen in Montreal, and um, well musicians don't stay up all night as they used to, <laughs> so hopefully Mike is awake and uh, can make the phone call, and if he is, um, we're not going to delay that. We're going to completely. We're going to uh, bring down the music and get right on with the, uh, with the interview. But to lead up to this, I'd like to play you a, a favorite piece of mine from an album called For Real by the late, great West Coast pianist Hampton Hawes. And it features Harold Land on tenor saxophone, another favorite, and Scott LaFaro on bass and Frank Butler on drums. This was recorded in 1958 in Los Angeles in March. And... Um, in November of 1958, Harold Land and Scott LaFaro played at the uh, cellar here in Vancouver, and uh, I was there. It was a most amazing uh, performance. But anyway, this album uh, came out on Contemporary Records, and uh, it features, as I said, uh, Hawes, Land, LaFaro, and Frank Butler on drums. This is a Hampton Hawes composition, and it's my favorite track on the whole album. It's called simply Hip.
All right. That was a piece of music called uh, Hip by um, Hampton Hawes on piano, Scott LaFaro on bass, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, and Frank Butler on drums. And I'm um, just waiting for uh, Mike uh, Rudd to phone, and when he does, I'll, uh, I shall uh, cut this next piece down. But this is from the same album, and I'll just uh, I'll play it for you now. It's called Crazyology. Hello, Mike. Yes. You're there. Yep. We did it. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's always, like I said, it's always a little tricky on these uh, on these interviews. No problem. Oh, all right. So, yes. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay, that's good. All right, we're all we're all set. I've got the I've got the headphones on. I can hear you as clear as a bell, and I'm sure our audience can. Um, all right, uh, we'll play that uh, piece of music that I started out with uh, a little later on in the show. But uh, we're very happy um, to have Mike Rudd. He's uh, managed to uh, stay up very late. He's phoning <laughs> from Montreal. And Mike used to live here in Vancouver and performed all over the place here in Vancouver, but moved to Montreal many years ago and uh, has got a great project that he's going to be um, bringing to Vancouver uh, very soon. And uh, really, it's uh, really nice to hear you. And it's, it's nice to hear that we got all our connections straightened out there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so how are things in Montreal? Not too bad. Mm-hmm. Same as ever, you know. Uh, there's a uh, uh, lot of great music uh, going on, and uh, and uh, you know, more and more players than there are gigs to play them, and uh, it's good. Well, yes, of course, that's pretty well the uh, the same uh, the world over these days. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I love Montreal. I was born there, so uh, and and I spent uh, a good part of my childhood in Montreal. I was raised in Montreal and New York, so. Oh really? Uh, I'm very familiar with Montreal, and uh, uh, you know, I th- I think about it because as you get older, sometimes you y- your memories of uh, early days come back very strongly, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a, a a great deal of fond memories of Montreal. Oh wow! Yeah, are you still living in the Mile End area? I am. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great area. 
It's marvelous. Yeah, I've lived here quite a bit over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everybody's happy there, your wife and children. and everybody. Oh, they're doing pretty good. Yeah. 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 You know, um, they're, they're, uh, they're actually over in, uh, in NDG. I'm in my land, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun getting across the mountain all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, when I lived in Montreal, they had streetcars. And, wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I really miss those things. Uh, cause I, at one time I wanted to be a streetcar conductor and, um, I had a buddy, and yeah. I had a buddy who and I, what we did when we were kids uh, on Saturdays and, and, and Sundays when we, were, when we didn't have school, uh, yeah. we, we, took, um, we got on the streetcar and took lines where, and, and discovered all these mysterious streetcar lines that we had never no seen. No way. Yeah, and, and to this day, I can remember the numbers and and where they went and where they started, where they ended, all this kind of stuff. You're kidding me. No. <laughs> well, we we got a tune about that on the record. <laughs> Second tune is called Streetcar Fifty Five. The and, co- uh, that was the Cotonay Streetcar. Um, well, let's see. Um, it it probably was the the what what uh, what uh, what happened was in 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 uh, Michel Tremblay's uh, book. Uh, the uh, the fat woman next door is pregnant. Yes. Uh, there's a there's a scene where all these women are, um, you know, these sort of aging, uh, you know, housewives are, are are getting together to for for uh, a cheap Saturday morning's entertainment. They get on the on the streetcar and 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 just take it all the way around the mountain <laughs> and. Uh, and just sit there and talk, and just uh, you know, they're they're on there for fun, and uh, that's um, in 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 uh, in his in his. It's actually Streetcar Fifty Two, but I, I changed it to get the rhyme. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, the, what you just mentioned, our, our, our piano player on the record, uh, he'll be with us in Vancouver, Chad uh, Lindsley. Oh. Um, he uh, he has an exercise to this day that he'll do occasionally that he calls taking the wrong bus. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what you just described. Uh, uh, see see where this takes you and see what it does. And see what it does. And that's exactly what my friend Robert Wood and I did. And uh, oh, we took all these all these uh, uh, streetcars all over the place. And uh, we had our favorite runs too, of course. Uh, really, the number seventeen, the Carchiville. It takes us right up, right up to Belmont Park, and, uh-huh. and of course, you know, we ended up going to Belmont Park and having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that, and and uh, oh, there were all kinds of all kinds of. You know, we went out to Lachine. They had a streetcar running right out to Lachine. Wow! And um, yeah, we always and of course on some of the some of the streetcars that went beyond the city limits, you had to pay an extra fare. And we used mm-hmm. to, we used to, as kids, we used to try and get away with that because the conductors would come down to collect that extra fare. They'd have a little box and demand that you put the money in. And we used mm-hmm. to, we used to kind of cower in the seats and ignore them and so on. And they finally give up on us and walk by. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Anyway, speaking of Montreal and and, yeah. and your specific. Uh, program with, I'm rambling on here about streetcars and and all my stuff. 
love uh, it. Tell us about what uh, what your project is, your your recording, which which I'm aware of, but uh, the audience is probably not. And uh, this is a reminisce on on Montreal and a portrait of Montreal, right? It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, the premise of the CD um, is that all the songs have lyrics of a very fine singer. Her name is Sienna Dolan. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the all the lyrics are um, in some form or other to do with the literature that is set in Montreal. Uh, so some of them focus on specific characters and places in specific books that are set in Montreal, mm-hmm. um, such as uh, Mordecai Richler's or Michel Tremblay's, like we were just talking about. And some are more loosely centered around themes that more than one author touches on. Um, so that's that's what it is. It's 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 uh, you know the degree to which it's purely jazz is is uh, is kind of an open question. There there's there's you know there's, there's tunes on there that don't don't even have uh, solo sections in them and things. Uh, and then just when you think it's it's not going to be that it's it. Uh, there are places where it's undeniably a jazz record. So it's sort of right on a cusp, right on an edge, but it's very lyric-driven. And there's a string section playing, uh, it's a string quartet playing playing with us uh, on the record. And in fact, we'll be um, having a great Vancouver string quartet join us. The, the Baba Yaga string quartet's going to reunite and play that night with us um, at Pyatt Hall. Great. So, um, can you give us uh, the date? And uh, it is at Pyatt Hall, of course, which is uh, right adjacent to the Orpheum Theater. The entrance is on Seymour Street. Uh, right. What uh, What night and what time? That's Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, the fourteenth. Uh, and uh, what time? Offhand, can I remember at this late hour? Um, let's see. We uh- are. I would imagine eight o'clock, right? It must be eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I think it must be right. Now, um, tickets for this would be available from where, Mike? Seller Jazz Society. Ah, okay. Uh, so you can uh, you can go online and and find out through through uh, for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's uh, pretty straightforward. Or I'm sure they're available at the door as well. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, so the best advice is to go on to uh, sellerjazz.com, I guess, and and uh, um, and purchase your tickets that way. You bet. Yeah. So and and of course you'll have the the CD uh, with yep. you to uh, for sale, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I imagine. So um, the the instrumentation in your band, you have the string quartet. Yeah. And. And uh, for this tour, the the original rhythm section from from the CD uh, is uh, is coming on the road for this. So it's Sienna Dolan, the singer, yes. um, me, uh, Chad Lindsley, the piano player I just mentioned, uh, and uh, Adrian Vidati on bass, who's a lifelong Montrealer, mm-hmm. fantastic bass player, and Dave Lang on drums, who's uh, Pretty well known to jazz audiences in Canada. He's, uh, he's one of the great swinging drummers uh, ever to come out of Canada. Great. 
Wow! So this is uh, this is quite an event to uh, to bring Montreal to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, it's a <laughs> nine-piece band. Wow! All right. So that'll be at Pyatt Hall on the fourteenth, mm-hmm. November fourteenth. And uh, the last time you were here was with uh, the last time I saw you, of course, was at uh, Corey's uh, uh, cellar, the late yeah. the late lamented cellar, and right. um, and you were with Joey DeFrancesco. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God! What fun that was. Yeah, uh, I forget when that exactly, but but we were there, and uh, I know, but um, and uh, it was a, it was a great evening. That was last January. Yeah, I'll uh, never forget that. That was uh, right. That was uh, that was a highlight for for me. I mean, I've been listening to Joey DeFrancesco for years. So right. Before he asked me about that, I just jumped at it. <laughs> oh sure. I mean, you're yeah. you're not you're not going to turn down that opportunity. No, 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 absolutely not. He, he, he is such a master and, uh, and, and a great guy as well. Well, and the trumpet playing was a sudden surprise for me on that. He played a lot of trumpet on those nights, and, and he just took it apart. It was unreal. I know, because the, the time before he was, he was here, and, and I had a chance to do a couple of tunes with him, which was a thrill for me um, mm. as well, and... Um, uh, he he played some trumpet on that gig, but um, uh, you know, and it was fine. I mean, it was Joey De Francesco playing the trumpet, but mm-hmm. uh, but this time when he was here with you the last time, mm-hmm. he was amazing on on the trumpet. So uh, you know, I, know. I, I asked him. I, I said, "What have you been doing? Woodshedding? Uh, you know, in your spare time?" He said, "Yes," and he said, "I'm I'm really just playing a lot of trumpet, doing a lot of practicing, and I I carry a mouthpiece around with me and stuff because." His chops on the instrument were amazing. That's what I couldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Is the shape he was in as a trumpet player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the organ, probably, you know, when that guy's uh, departed this earth, uh, they'll be able to uh, just hook uh, jumper cables up to him, and he'll still be able to play all that amazing organ stuff. You expect he's going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but to be in such amazing form, on 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 the trumpet, uh, that was a that was really and and stylistically it was interesting to me. He kept referencing uh, like sixties um, miles. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, and uh, wow, what a treat! I know. What an absolute treat! <laughs> that must have been a ball just being up it on was. the on the bandstand with him and just uh, you know making that. Thing. And you sounded great yourself, Mike. Thank you, as you, as you always as you always do. And uh, uh, we miss you here in Vancouver, but of course we're going to get an opportunity to uh, to hear um, your. This is a, a major project for you, and and uh, uh, I know, and and I know that this has been like a uh, a long uh, gestation period for this too, right? Oh, it took a long time. Yeah, from <laughs> from end to end, it was pushing four years to get that thing to happen. Right, and now that it's uh, been given birth, um, yep, yeah, now it's blossoming all over the country. It's it's a very very happy making. I like you know musically, I've been kind of um, moving forward into the next record for for quite some time now. So mm-hmm. it's it's good to get a chance to get out and and uh, make it happen in front of audiences. Exactly. Well, that's great. Well, I'd just like to thank you very much. I'm going to play some uh, Mike Rudd after we uh, get off the phone here. And uh, okay, actually, I have this uh, this old CD live from Lotus Land. You remember that? 
Oh yeah, you bet. And I'm going to play. Uh, um, I I picked uh, track three because it's a uh, it's basically you and uh, and a rhythm section. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're doing that that great uh, RB's line that uh, that um, uh, what's the piano player's name? Uh, name Ray, Ray Downs. Ray Ray Downs. The Ray late with a w. the yeah. late wonderful Ray Downs. Yeah, and. Um, with uh, of course the stellar Vancouver rhythm section with Tilden Webb and Jody Prosnick and Jesse Cahill. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great date that was. That was for Jody's uh, jazz beat session on CBC. Oh, that's where that track comes from, right? Yeah, everything wow. on there is a is a uh, is a redirection of uh, of recordings originally done for the CBC. Hmm. Well, I, yes, that's right. Of course, I just looked at the credits here and all the all the different people and you know all the old buddies I knew from the CBC: Neil Ritchie, Gary Heald, and yeah, all those folks. Um, well, that's that's great. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. I'd just like to remind everybody uh, about this concert once again. I'll let you I'll let you tell them, Mike. Yeah, that's uh, that's Friday the fourteenth at Pyatt Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they can hit uh, sellerjazz.com for the uh, for the tickets, or uh, I'm quite confident they'll be available at the door as well. Great. Well, thank you again uh, from uh, distant Montreal, and uh, and you'll be yeah. bring, you'll be bringing uh, all the streetcar lines out here, right? Yeah, I'm going to go out looking for the one out to Lachine now. The, uh, check out for the 17. See if I can find a streetcar 17 now. <laughs> well, the the Lachine was the number ninety one. Ninety one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what I liked about those runs is is that uh, they had their own right away. Oh yeah. You see, and and so once once it got out of the city, then then it, then it had and and then the streetcars would move like mad, and they'd sway and grind and and so on. And uh, some of the some of the motormen would would really push the streetcar to the limits and as long as no, <laughs> as long as nobody wanted to get off because they had to stop to let people off but uh, you know we, we'd always keep our fingers crossed that no one was getting off uh while the streetcar was just booting it along and uh very oh, that's a yeah great story man i know and and the 17 of course was was uh, going up to Carcheville was uh, had its own right away another one that had its own right away was the saint denis streetcar Oh really? Yeah, and it got up to Cremazy Boulevard, and then it went right into uh, its own right of way, right up to a Hunsick. Really? And those guys would boot up there as long as no one wanted to stop. As if people were going straight through, um, it was it was great, and uh, they they would just open up the throttle, and it, it would be like uh, like riding a roller coaster. Like a like like a like you're on a high speed train. You got it. <laughs> wow, the Montreal bullet train, you know. So yeah, we'd all no we, we'd always pray that no one was going to get off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, those were fun days, and uh, you know, some really happy uh, childhood experiences. But uh, Montreal had that that kind of that kind of thing. No kidding. Anyway, Mike, uh, we'll get uh, we're going to get back to the music, and uh, once again. Uh, uh, stay on the line. We'll just chat for a few minutes after we get off air. And uh, uh, thank you so much for uh, staying up really late to uh, oh, it's my to, pleasure to have a chat with us. And I'm I'm glad we were able to connect. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you so much. So we've been listening to Mike Rudd. We're actually going to uh, play something um, by 
by Mike, as I mentioned before. This is uh, Tilden Webb on piano, Jody Prosnick on bass, and Jesse Cahill on drums, the, uh, one of the stellar Vancouver rhythm sections, and of course Mike Rudd on guitar, and this is Ray Down's great tune called R.B.'s Line.
Louise Line, written by the great Canadian pianist Ray Downs, who was actually um, was one of uh, Tilden, pianist Tilden Webb's uh, teachers. And uh, Ray Downs, of course, passed away a few years ago. Great, uh, great Canadian pianist. And, uh, of course, had, had he um, moved to the United States, he would have been recognized a lot more. He was like Canada's version of Winton Kelly, great pianist and also a fine composer. And uh, that was one of his uh, neat little tunes that uh, he wrote a lot of them. But uh, the main feature on there was guitarist Mike Rudd, who I just had the pleasure of uh, chatting with, um, who is coming out here with his uh, incredible project, um, sort of a reminiscence of, of, of Montreal and a portrait, a musical portrait of Montreal. And Mike will be performing at the um, at the Pyatt Hall, uh, which is adjacent to the Orpheum Theater. It's a small theater, and um, he'll be there on uh, November fourteenth at uh, eight p.m. As uh, you can go on to the uh, CellarLive dot com and uh, inquire about, uh, find out uh, everything will be on there, and you can check for tickets on there. But this performance of RB's line with Tilden Webb on piano. Jody Prosnick on bass, and Jesse Cahill on drums. And, of course, that was uh, that is one of the uh, premier uh, rhythm sections in Vancouver. And, of course, you'll, you got a chance on this piece to hear how wonderful guitarist Mike Rudd was and is. So there you have it. All right. Boom. I hit the mic boom. Uh, with my nose. It made a big noise. <laughs> you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker. We're also uh, on your computer, live streaming at uh, CITR.ca. Um, that piece that I had to fade down before uh, Mike's interview, I'll play a little bit later. Uh, it's another piece from that album. But uh, right now, uh, We'd like to pay a small tribute to Remembrance Day. And, of course, uh, the 11th in the United States is called um, Veterans Day. But it's basically the same thing. It's honoring the people who fought and died for our freedom. And uh, I know somebody that uh, used to say all the time that uh, he was a war uh, hero uh, he he said all my he said I'm not a war hero he said all my heroes are buried and uh, I think that uh, that sums it up uh, people contributed their lives to for for the cause and uh, that's what Remembrance Day is all about and of course it's um, even bigger this year considering the events that uh, have recently happened. So we're going to pay a small tribute. There's not too much music that is really written for Remembrance Day um, in, in, the, in the jazz manner. But um, this might be interesting. And we return to the Hammond organ for this one. But this is uh, uh, Jimmy Smith. And, of course, Jimmy Smith was the pioneer of the Hammond organ. He was the one that really brought it out and was, um, was really the innovator uh, back in the 1950s. That, uh, that, that brought the Hammond organ to the fore. And uh, he justifiably um, 
is recognized as as uh, really a pioneer of, of modern jazz and his instrument, the Hammond organ. So we're going to hear Jimmy Smith on organ, Quentin Warren on guitar, and a wonderful drummer, Donald Duck Bailey on drums. And this is a, a, actually an old Civil War tune, but uh, there you go. And we're going to follow that with uh, a beautiful rendition of a tune called A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square, played by Bud Powell. Now, the first tune, the Jimmy Smith tune, is When Johnny Comes Marching Home. That's what we're going to hear. And we're going to follow that with A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square, which, of course, was uh, uh, a song that became popular after the Second World War and that we had peace. But um, And it was very, very popular in England because England got bombed and uh, London and uh, the Battle of Britain. We all, we all know that from studying history. And that song came out and it really hit a lot of people um, as being very, very timely. So we're going to do these two tunes for you uh, in honor of Remembrance Day. So first, the mighty Jimmy Smith... When Johnny Cullum's marching home. Thank you. 
two pieces that uh, are a small dedication to Remembrance Day here in Canada and Veterans Day in the United States. And uh, both of these pieces, of course, um, are somewhat representative of, uh, of the whole idea of soldiers going off to war and returning. The first piece was uh, a, a, a total groove piece by the great Hammond organist Jimmy Smith, Definitely a jazz pioneer and a wonderful performance of a tune called When Johnny Comes Marching Home. And that featured uh, Jimmy's trio with uh, Quentin Warren on guitar and a wonderful drummer, Donald Duck Bailey on drums. Duck Bailey. And uh, the second piece of music, of course, was a a beautiful um, rendition, almost a symphonic rendition of, of a great Second World War tune that was um, incredibly popular in England um, because of the lyrics and, and, and the sentiments. And, of course, it represented the end of, uh, of one of the most trying periods in British history when they were attacked and bombed and all that kind of stuff. We're lucky. We, uh, we sent a lot of people uh, to war, but we didn't, uh, we didn't experience it here in Canada. But they certainly did in Europe. And, uh, of course, in England, got uh, bombed and blasted and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so this song came out, and it touched a lot of people's hearts, and it was called A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square. And it was played by one of the geniuses of jazz music, pianist Bud Powell. All right, you are listening to The Jazz Show. My name is Gavin Walker, and, of course, we're on CITR. 101.9 on your FM dial and also on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. Uh, We have a a word or words for you right now, beginning with this. Getting our first uh, little bit of uh, cold weather in the next couple of days. But the upshot and the positive side of that is that it's going to be sunny, um, which, which is really nice. It's a relief from all the, all the doom and gloom that we've had in terms of the weather. And uh, it's going to be sunny for the next few days. So the official forecast is clear and windy tonight with a low of plus 2. And then tomorrow will be sunny and windy in the morning with a low of of plus 2 and a high of 6. And then on Wednesday, once again, sunny with a low of 4 and a high of 7. And for Thursday, uh, a low of plus 1 and a high of plus 5. Friday, a low of, dare I say it, minus 2. And a high of plus four. All right. And then on Saturday and Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud with lows between minus three and highs going up to seven. 
So tomorrow, Remembrance Day, will actually be sunny. And uh, usually it's, it's, um, it rains or snows uh, on Remembrance Day. But uh, uh, in chatting with uh, Mike Rudd uh, offline on, on the phone uh, a little while ago, because he was uh, phoning from Montreal, um, I asked him uh, if there was any snow there. And he said, no, there hasn't been any snow there this year so far, which is unusual because usually this, you get a bit of snow. But I know that they're having it in, uh, <laughs> in Montana. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's okay. That's a long way away. We're getting sunny weather here, and so we have to put up with a little bit of coolness. But that's, that's okay, you know, as, lo- as long as we get the sunshine, it makes everybody feel good. So there you go. That's the, that's the weather picture for the week. Uh, just like to remind you that there's a couple of websites that you should be aware of. One of them is VancouverJazz.com, and on that website, there's all kinds of links um, I always mention that it was it's put together by my good friend Brian Nation keeps everything up to date. Uh, there are gigs that are posted on there, um, musicians' biographies, even our jazz uh, features. Uh, I do a little write up every week, and people check it out and find out what the jazz feature is going to be um, on the show and and that sort of thing. So there's all kinds of interesting links on there. It's a, it's a good one, uh, so check it out. VancouverJazz.com. And, of course, there's the link of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and they have some uh, concerts and events coming up, and it's always um, wise to go onto their website as well. It's very comprehensive, and it's coastaljazz.ca. And uh, always, uh, of course, um, don't neglect to mention my friend Ken Speller, who is a, not only a music teacher but a performer, he plays uh, saxophone and, and other reed instruments and, and flute as well. Excellent musician. But he's also a repairman, and he uh, does, does all his repairs from his home workshop. So he keeps his costs down for you. And, and if you play any of those instruments, you know that they require maintenance. And Ken Speller's the guy to do it, whether it's a tweak or a complete overhaul or replacing a pad or fixing a leak, all that kind of stuff. Uh, He does it, and uh, he's located in North Vancouver, 13th and Lonsdale area. And Ken can be contacted at 778-800-1933. That's 778-800-1933. Or uh, via email kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Kspeller, all one word, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Good guy to know. And uh, keep your instrument in shape, and of course, uh, so that you can sound at your best, whatever your abilities are, whether you're a professional or an amateur, a student, or a pro. All right, back to music. And uh, this is the piece piece of music that I um, had to truncate so that we could get uh, guitarist Mike Rudd on the air earlier on in the show. So I'm going to play it for you now, and we're, we're going to return to this album by pianist Hampton Hawes uh, with Harold Land on tenor saxophone, uh, Scott LaFaro on bass, and the great Frank Butler on drums, recorded in Los Angeles. This is a, a, a tune um, that Charlie Parker recorded, but it was written by little Benny Harris, who was a minor uh, figure in the um, modern jazz revolution. But he wrote some great tunes, and this is one of them. It's called Crazyology. 
Yeah, that's a, a tune that was written in the 40s by little Benny Harris called Crazyology and played by this magnificent quartet with uh, Hampton Hawes on piano, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, Scott LaFarrell on bass, and Frank Butler on drums. And the album was issued on contemporary records and called For Real. And the tune, of course, Crazyology. We're going to take you back for four tunes recorded at Carnegie Hall, Christmas Eve, 1939, by the magnificent Benny Goodman Sextet, with, of course, one of the innovators of modern guitar, Charlie Christian. He's really the beginning of the whole uh, use of the guitar. Guitar and jazz had been prevalent, yes, in earlier forms, but Charlie Christian really brought the guitar into uh, on the front line as a horn, playing long lines and, and solos, because the guitar was used in, in earlier forms of jazz as a rhythm instrument. But uh, Charlie Christian was the beginning. And of course, he inspired all the guitar players that, that play today. He really is the, the source. And um, even though he died young, uh, he, he really was advancing the jazz tradition. And Benny Goodman, um, and it's a credit to Mr. Goodman, that um, he was uh, persuaded to hire Charlie Christian and gave him more exposure than he would ever have gained uh, on his own because Benny Goodman was a superstar back in the 1930s. So we have Benny Goodman on clarinet, of course, Charlie Christian on electric guitar, Lionel Hampton on vibraphone, the great arranger and composer Fletcher Henderson playing piano, Artie Bernstein on bass, and Nick Fatul on drums. And we're going to hear four tunes from this Carnegie Hall concert recorded Christmas Eve, 1939. We're going to hear, first of all, I Got Rhythm, and then a tune called uh, by Lionel Hampton called Flying Home, and which became Lionel's theme song, actually. And um, then we're going to hear the great tune Stompin' at the Savoy, written by Goodman and Edgar Sampson. And the final tune is a Fats Waller tune, a famous tune called Honeysuckle Rose. So four tunes by this uh, Benny Goodman sextet. Classic jazz music. I hope you enjoy this stuff.
only in New York could you have a jazz concert on Christmas Eve. And <laughs> this is what happened back in 1939 at Carnegie Hall, December 24th, 1939, with the uh, Benny Goodman Sextet, with Mr. Goodman on clarinet, Charlie Christian, one of the uh, innovators of the modern electric guitar right there, and uh, on vibes, the irrepressible Lionel Hampton, Fletcher Henderson on piano, Artie Bernstein on bass, and Nick Fatul on drums. And we heard four tunes that were uh, recorded then. The uh, first one was I Got Rhythm. The second tune was uh, the great uh, Lionel Hampton, Benny Goodman classic, Flying Home. And then the uh, Goodman, Edgar Sampson composition, the famous tune from the 30s, Stompin' at the Savoy. And the final tune, of course, was by Fats Waller, Honeysuckle Rose. Exuberant music by the Benny Goodman Sextet. Wonderful band. Here is something a little bit different. This time, one of the great expressive jazz violinists, Hezekiah Smith. Stuff Smith, along with Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Wynton Kelly at piano, Paul West on bass, and John Charles Hurd, J.C. Hurd on drums. And uh, we're going to hear a composition. This is a, a, a Gillespie invention. It's, um, it's a neat piece of music uh, that Dizzy wrote for the date. And uh, it works beautifully. And it's called Rio Pakistan. So here we go. Dizzy Gillespie and violinist Stuff Smith. Thank you. 
as Dizzy Gillespie and Stuff Smith ride off into the desert. That was called Rio Pakistan, and uh, that was a composition by Dizzy Gillespie. And this wonderful collaboration with uh, Dizzy on trumpet and the great Stuff Smith on violin. We heard Winton Kelly on piano, Paul West on bass, and J.C. Hurd on drums. Rio, Pakistan. One of the, as a matter of fact, the very last album that the great uh, tenor saxophonist Gene Ammons recorded about six months before his, uh, before his untimely death. Uh, this was his last recording session before uh, cancer struck him and um, he died in August of um, 1974. This was recorded in March. And the album is prof- prophetically called Goodbye because that's one of the tunes on there. As a matter of fact, we'll, uh, we have time to, uh, to listen to uh, the one I picked plus uh, the ballad, the Gordon Jenkins ballad, Goodbye, which was the last thing that Gene Ammons recorded. And uh, as if he knew. Anyway, uh, this is an all-star date. It features Gene on tenor saxophone, Nat Adderley on cornet, and my friend Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, the great Kenny Drew on piano, Sam Jones on bass, Louis Hayes on drums, and Ray Barreto on conga drums. We're going to hear Duke Pearson's famous tune, Janine, and the Gordon Jenkins ballad, Goodbye, Gene Ammons from his final recording session. Goodbye. 
Indeed, it was prophetic. And um, that song, of course, the, the immortal composition by Gordon Jenkins called Goodbye, was uh, the very last that Gene Ammons recorded. And um, a few months later, he was gone. This is uh, from an album of the same title, and we heard uh, the first tune was an up-tempo tune, featured all the guys, with, of course, um, the great Gene Ammons on tenor saxophone, Nat Adderley on cornet, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, Kenny Drew on the piano, Sam Jones on bass, Louis Hayes on drums, and Ray Barretto on conga drums. And, of course, the final tune was featuring Gene all the way, Goodbye, by Gordon Jenkins. That's it for the jazz show, and it's prophetic for us because we're bidding you good night. But we'll be back next week with uh, more of the same. Our jazz feature next week is a big band, one of the, one of the great modern jazz big bands, led by someone who is still with us. He just celebrated his 90th birthday, and I chatted with him. And uh, his name, Terry Gibbs. And he's a mover and shaker and one of the great vibes players and one of the most inspiring band leaders. So we're going to hear the Terry Gibbs Dream Band next week as our jazz feature. Meanwhile, don't touch the dial. More great stuff coming up. And uh, that's it. You are listening and have been listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We'll see you in seven days' time. Take care, and um, bundle up. It's cold out there. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-wee